0: I'm going to read up to the end of verse 16, 17, 15, one to 15, Exodus 3. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God, and because of their taskmasters i know their suffering and i've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land a land of flowing with milk and honey to the place of the canaanites the hittites the amorites the perizzites the ivites and the jebusites and now behold the cry of the people of israel has come to me and i've also seen the oppression on this mountain. and Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say this to the people of Israel I am as sent me to you god also said to moses say this to the people of israel the lord the god of your fathers the god of abraham the god of isaac and the god of jacob has sent me to you this is my name forever and thus i am to be remembered throughout all generations pray that god will bless the reading of his word I initially turned to this chapter to uh, begin to share some thoughts from some of the verses this week, Uh, but as I began to read this chapter and meditate upon it and began to write down what it is that I just felt that God was showing to me, I didn't really get to the point of the verses that I wanted to speak on, and so that will come on another occasion But I just sensed as I was reading this portion that God was just dropping something in my spirit which I want to share this morning. And it is possible if my memory serves me correctly, you know what I'm like, we're not remembering things very well. And uh, if my memory serves me correctly, I might have touched on some of the thoughts that I'm sharing on previous occasions as well. But as I was going through this... Um, chapter and meditating upon it, some things just came very clearly into my heart which I felt that I needed to share again this morning. A little while back, it was literally, um, I don't remember the date, but I know that it was the day before the coronation of King Charles III, when we were meeting here on the Friday evening for our Bible study. Those that are here may remember that I shared some thoughts from Isaiah chapter 6 uh, of the story that we know so very well where we read there that Isaiah was found in the temple or in the house of the Lord. And it tells us in there in Isaiah chapter 7 that while he was found, uh, Isaiah chapter 6, that while he was found in the temple that he saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. What an amazing vision to see. The Lord high and lifted up. But it continues to tell us that he also saw the seraphim. And they stood. And it says that they, one, one called to another. And they cried out these words. Words that we know so very well. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And then the narrative goes on to say that as Isaiah witnessed what he saw and what he heard, he then looked at himself and he realized that he was a man who had unclean lips for his eyes have seen the king the Lord of hosts. And it goes on to say that one of the seraphim flew to him having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongues from the altar. And he touched Isaiah's mouth and said to him, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. And these accounts, such as I've read from Exodus chapter 3, and I've quoted there from Isaiah, We need to remember that when we read these accounts, we might want to call them stories, we might want to call them narratives, whatever description it is that we want to give to them, we need to understand that they are a record of actual events that have happened. And secondly, they are not just a record of actual events that have happened, but they are a record that has been preserved in the Word of God, for us to be able to learn something from them. And I want to emphasize this today, just as I did on the Friday evening that has gone that we need to uh, understand the, the reality, the truthfulness of the Word of God because there, is many, there are many today who are rising up in pulpits up and down our land and across the nations of the world who are trying to discredit so much of what is found in the Word of God. And they were trying to make these stories and we can think of Noah, we can think of Jonah and other stories that we read of in the, the Old Testament in particular. And they're trying to equate them as to simply just being stories or something like the parable that we've heard this morning as Jesus gave a story with a spiritual meaning. And so many are saying that what we believe to be true actual events were not they're just stories, something that we can learn from. You remember that I've told you before, or perhaps on a couple of occasions, but when uh, one of our daughters was graduating from uh, the secondary school because it was a Roman Catholic school, they had to go into the school, for into the church, for their um, to get their records of achievement of whatever it is they're called. It didn't happen in my day because I didn't achieve anything. <laughs> but, but they went into this church. and and this sort of graduation service was held and they were given their records of achievement but the father, the priest, the the Catholic uh, minister got up in front of all of those children and with all of the parents that were found in that building at all, and he publicly said to them, referring to so many stories in the Old Testament, quoting Jonah, quoting uh, Noah, the, the flood, and other stories in the Old Testament, and he said to this crowd in this full church, he said, I don't believe any of that. None of it really actually happened. And this is a man who claims to be a man of God. Of course, I put a bee in my bonnet. So immediately after the service was held, I made a bee line for him. And I told him that I can't understand that you're standing up in that pulpit. You've had a crowd of children and parents and you're telling them that you don't believe the word of God. You shouldn't be standing in that place. And I had some godly words with him uh, and uh, choice words with him about the truthfulness of the Word of God. And so these accounts that I've mentioned, they are accounts that we need to read as being actual things that happen and we can learn from the examples of these characters. Now I remember one time in the past, and I don't know whether it was linked with similar thoughts or not, that but I, I asked you as a congregation, if you could go back into any era of time, and choose to be the time that you perhaps would like to have lived through or experienced. Does anybody remember me asking you that? If not, your memories are as bad as mine. But I know that I did because I remember saying that if I could choose an era or time where I would love to live and experience, it would have been the time that we see on that program that is called Little House on the Prairie and when I, I don't watch it all I've not watched it all, I've seen some of it but as I've watched what I have seen are the little house on the prairie with the horse and the carts and the little uh, cabins they lived in or whatever you want to call them and everything else that's the era that I would love to experience and to just be found in but I want this morning to ask a different kind of question and th- I would ask this question and I wonder if you or I could go back in time to any biblical account that we would choose that we would like to witness for ourselves. I wonder which biblical account or story it is that you would end up choosing. And I'm not going to ask you to tell me because we might take a long time going through them all, but I guess in your mind you're already thinking you might already know, as you've read the accounts in the Word of God, uh, we could say about all of them, or a lot of them, but there might be some that you would highlight, I would really, really have loved to have been there. And I think for myself, I would have loved to have witnessed, and as they say on Britain's Got Talent, in no particular order, I would love to have seen and heard what happened in the temple with isaiah i would love to have uh, heard and seen what happened in this account in exodus chapter 3 with moses and then there's a third account which i often mentioned as well that i would love to have witnessed it is the time when abraham called uh, came and spoke to uh, god came i should say and spoke to abraham and in genesis chapter 12 and told him that he wanted to leave everything behind and to set out on a journey a journey that Abraham was not going to know the destination of but God knew where it was and it required Abraham to be obedient and as I thought of those three stories, those three accounts and and I meditated upon them, they brought a challenge to my heart afresh As I always have done, as I have read them. And as I think of the account that I've read from Exodus 3 of Moses, imagine Moses at one moment he is minding his own business, watching his father in law's sheep, but within a few minutes he was going to be called to go and to do God's business. He was watching after his father in law's sheep. On the barren mountains he was a shepherd but God was calling him to gather his sheep the children of Israel who were in bondage and to bring them up out from Egypt and through the river and into the land that he had promised them through their ancestor the man called Abraham one minute as uh, Moses was watching the sheep He was probably thinking ahead to the end of his shift and making his way home and being able to put his feet up. But God had other plans for him, especially as we will see in a moment for his feet. In fact, when you consider Moses and where he was where he was, because sometime in the past he had done wrong and he had run away. He was hiding. You remember that he had killed an Egyptian who he had seen mistreating an Israelite. And so he fled for his life. But this story tells us that God knew where he was. And he couldn't hide from God. In fact, hiding is a key word for Moses. Because we know that at birth he was hidden in the bulrushes. See, God had a plan for Moses. And God was going to bring Moses into this incredible encounter with himself that would be the means of deliverance for the Israelites and their eventual arrival into the promised land. So imagine the scene as if you were there. Moses sees the bush that burns and is not consumed. He's a shepherd. He would have seen fires in the wilderness, probably on many occasions. But every other time that he'd seen a fire up on the wilderness, he would have noticed as he watched it that the bush or the tree or whatever it was that had ignited through usually combustion would have just dwindled away till in the end it was just some ashes on the floor. But this time, as he watched, watched the bush that began to burst into flames and began to burn he noticed that this bush wasn't dwindling this bush was remaining exactly the same as it was although it was burning it was not being consumed so we realised that this was no ordinary fire and it's an interesting thing to go through scripture to see if fires which were no ordinary fires think of the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came as of tongues of fire upon the waiting believers. So he sees this. And the scripture then says that he draws near to see what was happening. And as he draws near to see what is happening, he does not realise that in doing so, he is actually drawing near to God. And then as he gets near, It says that he hears the voice of God calling him. Imagine how exciting it must have been. Amazed as he was with seeing this bush burning and not being consumed. And walking up towards it and getting closer to it. And all of a sudden this voice calls him out of this bush. What an incredible thing to witness. And how exciting to hear God call out your name personally and so moses responds there in verse four here i am and god issues a command to him verse five then god said to him do not come near in other words don't come any closer because we know that it already began to draw nearer and god stops him do not come near take your sandals off your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground And then, after issuing that command, God reveals his identity in the first first part of verse 6. And he said, or God said to Moses, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And then the scripture tells us that after hearing God calling him, And after hearing God speaking to him and telling him what to do and what not to do and revealing his identity to her, it tells us there that Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look at God. It's a fascinating story, isn't it? And I emphasize a true story. I believe that what I've read there happened. But I need to learn something from it. So do you. See, Moses was a real person because we read in Exodus 1 of his birth, like mentioned already. He was hid in the basket because of the decree that the Pharaoh had made to get rid of all the two year old and under babies. Horeb is a real mountain in a real place. But if I could put it this way, what is more real, the one who spoke through the bush that burned and not consumed is real. For it is later in this account that he goes into more detail concerning his identity. I've read what he said in verse 6a, but when we come to verses 11 to 15, Moses said to God, um, Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? and then it goes on to verse 13 then moses said to god if i come to the people of israel see a little bit of doubt if not when i get to them but if i come to the people of israel and say to them the god of your father's has sent me to you and they ask me what is his name we need to remember that they were living in a society that was plural with gods with a small g there were gods anywhere and everywhere gods of wood god of stones god made of any gods made out of anything that they wished to make out even the sun was a god to them even the moon was a god to them and the planets and the stars uh, and almost anything became gods to so many in those days so who is this one who has sent you what is his name what shall I say to them and God said to Moses I am who I am And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am a sent me to you. And God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel. The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And notice there's nothing about the gods of Pharaoh and the gods of Egypt because they were not real. He's only the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob. That's who I am. He has sent me to you. This is my name forever and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. So imagine again this incredible story of a normal shepherd having an encounter with the true and living God in such a powerful way that Moses would have absolutely no doubt whatsoever in his heart that he had met with God and I know if you go to chapter 4 that he came out with a load of excuses but aren't we all guilty of exactly the same <coughs> we trot one excuse after another and after another and after another but we know that eventually he heeded the command of the instruction and he set out to do the task that God was calling him to do. So, go back to the question as to which narrative story would we have loved to have witnessed or experienced? Well, I've mentioned three. Abram's call, Isaiah's temple experience, and Moses' wilderness encounter. But I would have to give myself, and you as well, depending on whatever narratives you have thought about and considered that you would love to have been there and witnessed it, or if we had been in Abraham's position, or if we had been found in the temple where Isaiah was, or if it was you or me who were out in the wilderness watching sheep, and we had the experience that they all had. This is the challenge God gave me to bring this morning. How would we have responded? How would we have responded? But I wasn't there in any of them. Neither were you. We've only read them and we've learnt from them because they are found in God's Word. But what we need to remember this morning is that the same God who they encountered, Abraham back home, Isaiah in the temple, Moses up in the wilderness watching sheep, the same God who they encountered, the God who says that he is the great I am who had sent him, this same God is the God who each one of us have encountered as we have come to know Jesus as our Saviour and as our Lord. And so moses has his story isaiah has his story abraham has his story but the good news is today because i have met with god through the lord jesus christ i have my own story and you have your own story god has a purpose for me god has a purpose for you but the challenge this morning is this are we finding it out? And as we discover what his story or his will is for each one of us, how are we responding towards it? Now, I think that one of the reasons I've probably chosen the three accounts that I have is because sometime in my experience, and I know without a shadow of doubt, that as I've looked at these experiences, God has definitely spoken into my heart. They have been moments Where God has given me an encounter which has caused me to refocus and to redirect my desires and my ambition towards his will. And there are many important things that are applicable or should be applicable to us all from these different accounts. But the issue is, do we take the application of God's word seriously? Do we take the application of God's word seriously? As we read it, and as we hear it being unveiled through the preaching of the word of God. See, Abraham's story was all about obedience and forsaking everything to fulfill God's plan for his life, which in turn would lead to the one who would bless millions throughout the nations of the world because Abraham's story eventually led to the arrival of Jesus in Bethlehem. And as a result, we're blessed today. And countless millions have been blessed around the nations of the world as they've come to accept him as saviour. And we're called to a life of obedience every single one of us we're called to a life of obedience and jesus calls us to count the cost and in counting the cost we're called to forsake all of the old life for the sake of the gospel the song that was popular so not so long ago is the world's behind me and the cross before me and that's what the life of obedience demands, the world behind me and the cross before me. But sadly for so many of us, we want to be running with the world and the cross instead of pushing the world behind and pressing forward to the finishing mark with the cross before us. And Moses contains many important lessons. We need to turn aside to listen to God. Turn aside to listen to God. However hard the task is, or how inadequate we may feel, we can trust God to equip us. Remember, Moses came out with all these excuses, I can't talk very well, and this, that, and the other. Well, God had an answer for every one of them. The equipment for him to go and to fulfill the task. And we can also learn from Moses that whatever we may have done, there is forgiveness in God and he can take us up and use us. We don't need to hide with shame about our past if we've been to the place of repentance and the place of forgiveness. It's all gone. It's all blotted out. The sin we need to deal with is the sin that is present in our lives at this moment and come and confess it to know ongoing cleansing. But perhaps what has influenced me the most from that phrase, and I mentioned this when I spoke from Isaiah a few weeks back, is the fact that God said to Moses, take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. We know the song, don't we? This is holy ground. When we come into the house of God, we're standing on holy ground. This is where we meet with Almighty God. But the question I want to ask is this, how much time do we spend with our sandals? I'm using this language, and we use chews and trainers and whatever else, crocs, whatever else we wear today. But how much time do we spend with our sandals on our feet in unholy places? Or with unholy activity? In comparison to how much to desire do we have to draw near to God? And figuratively speaking, to take off our sandals, to stand on holy ground. From Isaiah the challenges to do the things we speak or say. His lips needed to be touched. And I confess this morning how often I need my lips to be touched from a coal off the altar. We all do. It is so easy to speak about anything and everything except the things that matter, the things of God. It's so easy to be loose with our lips. And I'm often guilty of this myself when all the time we should be seeking to bless the Lord and to be blessing others. As I said, I originally turned to these verses to bring ministry on something else which was on the subject of God himself. And I didn't get to that so much because I felt that we need to look at ourselves first. And then we'll come to look at the subject of those verses where God said, I am who I am. But it may be that today is the day in which God wants to speak into your life. And mine. We may not be in the wilderness or in a far off land as Abraham was. But we are in the house of God. Where we can meet with God. And where, as we meet with him, he'll meet with us, and he'll speak into our hearts and lives. And so yes, we love to read and learn from Abraham, Moses, Isaiah, and so many other Bible characters, which you may enjoy reading. But I found that I had to leave with each one of us today. Is this your story matters? Your story matters. My story matters. How it is written and worked out matters. And not only how it is written and worked out matters, but how it is walked out matters. How we walk in this world matters in regards to the story that God has for each one of us. For it is only that which is done in accordance to the story that God has prepared for each one of us that matters. Because everything else one day will be burnt up and utterly destroyed. So this morning, make your story count. May each one of us seek to live out that which God wants us to live out. Not to be moulded by the world or by the fashion and fads and the culture of this day. But modelled according to what God calls us to do and to be found as He wants us to be found in accordance to His Word. May we look at the examples in Scripture and may we learn from them so that each day that we have to live is a new page that is written and can be summed up as the living story that God has prepared for each one of us. Now, I'm going to ask another question. Does God have a story written already for us to live out? It's a good question. Does God have a story already written for us to live out? Well, the answer is yes. Most definitely yes. For the psalmist reminds us in Psalm 139 verse 16 Your eyes saw my unformed substance in your book was written every one of them the days that were formed for me when as yet there was none of them the psalmist is saying that even before we were formed god had a volume god had a book already written out and in that book was written out every day that we were going to live on this earth and the scripture goes on to say that one day the script that the books will be opened in heaven. And I wonder if besides the Lamb's book of life that will be opened, there will be the individual volume opened up that God has written out for each one of us. That volume we read of in Psalm 139. And as God opens up that volume that he had written before we were born, a comparison will be made and God will say this is what I had planned for you let's compare this to the volume you wrote out as you lived your life on earth and I wonder and this is equally for me as well how close to what God has written is the life that I'm actually living How much am I serious about living out God's will for my life? Well, the answer is found by examining our own hearts and to see how much of our time is actually spent living for self rather than living for the glory of God. Let's make our story matter. Let's make sure... It's written out in accordance to God's volume, God's plan and will for each of our lives. Amen.